This is Nick Hudson. I'm Dr. Daniel Nagase. This is Julie Panessi. This is Corporal Daniel Bulford. This is Dr. Eric Payne. This is Dr. Stephen Pellick. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Monday. Happy 2022. Whew. I already feel better. 2021 in the rear view mirror. That was a year to, uh, well, I tell you what, from the podcast standpoint, a year to remember, I think you'll all agree with that. It's been a ride, and I got some big ideas for this year, and I hope you'll continue to enjoy the ride. And why not start it off with a brand new uh, Monday sponsor from St. Bruce, Saskatchewan, Joseph Borgo and his team over at Borgo Tillage Tools. They're hopping on board, and we're going to get them, get to know them and their company as we move along uh, throughout 2022 here. And the history reads that in 69, President Co. General Manager Joseph Borgo started working alongside his father, Frank. He was 13 years old when his father invented the Borgo four-row series multi-purpose cultivator. Fast forward to today, and they have greatly expanded their product lines and market area, becoming a world leader in field opener technology, manufacturing ground-engaging tools with product lines that include a wide range for tillage, seeding, and fertilizing applications. Just go to tillagetools.ca. You'll get to see everything they got, their product lines, uh, way more information than I can rattle off. Like I say, I look forward to telling you more about their story as we move forward here into 2022, and I'm just over the moon to have them a part of uh, the SMP experience uh, as we continue to grow this thing. And I just got big, big uh, plans for 2022, and I'm happy they hopped on board. Clay Smiley and the team over at Profit River. Uh, for all of you that have, uh, oh, well, if you're in Lloydminster or if you've ever uh, come to Lloydminster for maybe a couple of sarsaparillas or maybe to to bust a move, shake a leg, so to speak. You might remember the Tier Lounge and Buckle. Well, those two combined is making up the new Profit River location. Uh, I just talked to uh, Clay on the phone before I was recording this, and it looks like tomorrow the phones will ring, or actually tomorrow, today, Monday, the phones will ring at the new location. But uh, (laughs) for anyone who's ever moved... Uh, and I can just imagine moving an entire store location to location. It sounds like uh, a little stressful maybe. So there is curbside pickup at the new location, but nobody allowed in for probably another week. But uh, it is coming along. The old location is shut down. That means the downtown Profit River no more. But the new one is coming fast. Uh, for Clay, maybe not fast enough, but... Uh, Regardless, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the inside of this new building. I tell you what, I've, I've seen the bare bones of it and look forward to seeing what they've done. Of course, they specialize in importing firearms from the United States of America. Just go to ProfitRiver.com. They are the major retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories, and they serve all of Canada. Carly, Carly Clausen and the team over at Windsor Piewood, builders of the podcast studio table for everything wood. These are the guys, whether we're talking about mantles, decks, windows, doors, or sheds, I suggest going on their Instagram, doing a little creeping, creeping, and uh, you can check out some of the slabs of wood they're working with, or give them a call, 780-875-9663. Tyson and Tracy Mitchell with Mitchco Environmental, welcome aboard. We got another new one to start off 2022. Uh, They are run a family-owned business that has been providing professional vegetation management services for both Alberta and Saskatchewan in the oil field and industrial sector since 1998. And... 
as always, uh, Mitchko is hiring. I, I say as always because every year, even this guy, once upon a time, worked for Mitchko, uh, spraying leases in the summer. It was a, it was an, uh, a very busy uh, summertime job. Let me tell you, you want to make some money? Go work uh, for Mitchko during the summer months in between uh, your university classes and the couple of months you get off to come back and make some coin. Uh, you want to work? Mitchko is a place to go. And they're always looking, hiring, and if interested, reach out via phone, 780-214-4004 or, uh, or mitchcocorp.ca. Just go to the contact button. You can take a look at what they do and grab a little more information off of them. Gartner Management is a Lloydminster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs. Whether you're looking for a small office or a 6,000-square-foot commercial space, give Wade Gartner a call, 780-808-5025. And if you're into any of these businesses, make sure you let them know you heard about them from the podcast, right? Now, let's get on to the Ram Truck Rundown. Yeah, you heard that right. Brought to you by Auto Clearing Jeep and Ram, the Prairie's trusted source for Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and all things automotive for over 110 years. He's the CEO of iCorp Blood Services. I'm talking about Mike Kuzmiskis. So buckle up. Here we go. This is Mike Kuzmiskis, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mike Kuzmiskis. So first off, sir, thanks for hopping on. Thanks for having me on again. You know, Repeat. I was, I was going to comb my hair and uh, like change my shirt. We were supposed to do this three hours ago. And then I walked outside to negative 34, and I'm sure it was chillier than that with the wind. And uh, the truck wouldn't start. Nothing was going right. And all I could sit and go, wouldn't it be, isn't it just funny that the guy I'm interviewing today is sitting in Mexico and is calling plus 21 brisk, you prick. Brisk, it's brisk. Yeah, I actually put a t-shirt on for you. I had a tank top on all day. It's a little sweaty in this t-shirt here. Anyway. <laughs> well, how's Mexico going? It's good, man. It's really, really good. Uh, we've been here two months now and uh, exceeded expectations, to be honest. Um, our, uh, our, our, our four-year-old's in, in a nature daycare that she just plays outside all day. Our little guy's got a, a caregiver that looks after him for a few hours, Monday to Friday. Um, massive expat community here, so you don't need to know any Spanish unless you choose to learn it, which we're, you know, we're doing we're taking lessons just, just to pick it up. Uh, I'll go surfing one morning a week. I'll you know, work from here. I just sent you a picture of my view of the ocean from up here. So it's, uh, and it's not minus 30. So it's exceeding expectations by all counts right now. You know, you're giving me the postcard, which makes everybody want to go there, but what, what's maybe something then that, uh, you didn't plan for that was, uh, maybe a bit of a surprise. There's two things that come to mind when I think of that, the positive side is the, um, undoubted change that's happened in our kids since we came down like completely reversed uh them as human beings so uh, i guess the best example would be our, our son he's he's 15 16 months now um back in calgary he was um he was starting to go in on himself a little bit right he was kind of just stuck at home all the time uh when we do go out it, he was just seeing people in masks he didn't have the facial cues and the smiles and the things to develop some of those those social you know uh skills and emotions uh, and anytime we'd go out to hang out with people, he'd kind of be intimidated by strangers. He wouldn't let anybody hold them, but mom, uh, all of a sudden you come down here and it's just this big community 
he's outside playing all the time. I, he sits on the front of me when I ride around in the golf cart to take our daughter to school and back. He's seeing everybody in the community interacting. And now he just, you can go to a room with 20, 20 strangers to have uh, a drink with somebody you've never met. You can put him in the middle of the room and he's totally fine. He'll just sit there and play with whatever. And he's come out of his shell completely. So the positive um, irreversibly changed the, the trajectory of our kids' lives socially. Um, it's worth it just for that. The negative, I had a a one and a half to two inch long friend land on our deck yesterday. And I said, what is that? And I, I Googled it and it's called a tarantula hawk wasp and it hunts and kills tarantulas. Uh, so that landed on our deck. So that kind of shocked me back to reality a little bit that there is some, some, I'm not a big insect guy. There's some things down here that just not on the up and up. So positives and negatives, mostly positives though. Yeah. All right. Well then how, uh, while you sit down there, you know, basking in the sun, besides looking at me going, laughing at my text this morning, cause my truck's dead. And, uh, of course I parked it right smack in the middle of our driveway. So I couldn't get a vehicle out to even boost it. <laughs> right. So I just felt like a complete and utter moron. Um, and, and to all the people listening to make me even more of a moron, did I plug it in last night? No, I didn't plug it in. So it's all on me today. Um, when you sit down there and you're looking at Canada right now and you're reading all the headlines, you're, you're following along, what, uh, what's some things that stick out to you? You know, it's, it's, um, it's pretty easy for a guy like myself and others that are listening to, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with X, Y, Z every single day. Um, we're, you know, we're living it. And, uh, for a guy who's sitting down South, what do you, what do you, uh, pay attention to in Canada? What's maybe lifting an eyebrow or two? Sure. I think being separated from the situation emotionally has allowed me to focus more on, um, the analytics side, the data, the statistics, and, and kind of take a look at how, how data shifted. So any of your listeners who also kind of take a look into the data and they go on government websites, um, the, the one thing I've noticed that's really changed is the data around Omicron and vaccines and infection rates, uh, all that stuff. Um, it is interesting to see how the, the narrative being pushed for, for vaccine mandates as it being for the greater good to you know, protect your neighbor and all that stuff. Um, it's really shifted in the last two weeks. You've seen Ontario and Manitoba and Alberta when it comes to cases, um, it's been inverted. Now you have more cases of vaccinated people than you have unvaccinated people. So that obviously is a, is a, is a factor of you have way more vaccinated people out there. And I get that, but Ontario presents their data. Interestingly, it's more interesting. And it says it's uh, cases per 100,000. So it kind of normalizes it out and they they've inverted, they've actually their graph crossed and they have more vaccinated cases than unvaccinated. So sitting down here watching from, from Mexico, what's happening in Canada, the, the, I just see a, a lag in the policy approach that needs to get caught up to where we are today. And so it's going to be interesting to see how long it takes for those policies to catch up to the reality of where the science is right now. Uh, and it's happening fast. I don't know if you've seen the, the transmissibility curves on, on Omicron versus um, Delta, but it's, it's almost completely taking it over. Like it's, it's, it's dominating like nothing anyone's ever seen. And that, you can see that in the graph. So Omicron is it now it is going to be, everywhere and it is seems to be evading vaccines very quickly um you've seen some reports about effectiveness come down to 15 percent uh post 10 weeks um you know i talked about the case count switching so the transmissibility is actually equal now between vaccinated and unvaccinated there's no difference so the policies around vaccine mandates and all the heartache and all the the trouble that's being caused by governments and people and and you know 
people being laid off work and lawsuits and all this chaos is just right now is just not justified. That's not what, that's not what we should be focusing on is, is what I'm seeing down here being, being aside from it. Um, it's been very, very interesting to, to kind of watch the data. And I encourage people, look at the data, do your own research, go look at the government sites. Don't just read headlines and make judgments, but look at, go look at the actual numbers, which is how I've made my decisions along this, this path the whole time. So. It's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> you'll be episode 230, I think. And uh, I had a lawyer on from uh, Ontario uh, on episode 229. And his advice is just to go get vaccinated. And it was, it was an interesting an interesting look into how um, yeah. other people are approaching this. You know, the, the lovely thing about a podcast is I get to, you know, um, lots of people say I'm very biased and I have on the same thought process and whatever else, but you get to see how different people are approaching the problems we're, we're seeing in society right now. And uh, the previous episode, I think, uh, I think most listeners could agree with me was a bit of a curveball. They probably turned it on expecting, you know, we're going to fight for constitutional rights and whatever. Mm. And uh, in walks a guy and says, don't be an idiot. Look what the rich and powerful are doing. Get vaccinated. And then now here's a data guy going, if you look at it, uh, you know, like it's evading the vaccines and uh, go to your research again. And it changes quickly. I mean, three weeks from now, who knows? They're just, you know, Omicron's just getting going. So, so who knows where the data is? Um, it's interesting. I mean, the, the go get vaccinated thing is, is it's a, that's been the message from the start. It's just the easiest, it's the easiest policy and it's the easiest thing to say. Just, just everybody go do it and you won't have the disparity between vax and unvax. And then we're all going to be in the same ship together, regardless of which way the ship is going. I understand, I understand that, right. It, it just avoids a lot of headache for people, but for somebody like me who I have a problem with authority to be totally honest. And I, and I struggle, um, being told what to do. It's been that way my whole life. So, you know, I have that problem that, that just doesn't work for me. I need to, I need to come to that conclusion myself, um, through, through understanding facts and the data. So very interesting to see how everyone's opinions and policies and, and things are, are different from all over the place, right? They're, they're really, what's interesting is there isn't really a right answer from, from, from anywhere. It's just, it's, you're doing the best you can with the information that you can find available. I would say is, is the, is where we are right now with everything. So, we will continue to see how things change. It's happening real quick right now with Omicron. Um, things are things are rapidly changing. So we'll see where we are in a couple of weeks again. What are you seeing down in Mexico? COVID what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you see right now it's crazy. There's The town is overrun by, by tourists. This is a huge tourist hotspot, especially um, right now. Uh, you know, you'll see, you'll see the odd person walking around with masks. Usually the people that are walking around with masks right now are people that have come from, from the environments in, in the United States and Canada, where that's just become the norm. So they come down here and they just assume that's the norm. Uh, so you'll see the odd mask, but in terms of, um, like there's no, there's no, obviously there's no passport system. There's no vaccine requirements to, to fly domestically or, or anywhere else. I had to fly to Tijuana for a meeting, just got on a plane and went just like you normally would. Uh, the T what's interesting here is the TVs, um, very few of them. And the ones that are on are showing CrossFit, MMA, you know, there's no Anderson Cooper. There's no CNN. There's no CBC just blasting you with tickers all day long. None of that. So, uh, it's not really a thing here. I, I couldn't actually tell you if I ran into anybody who had confirmed a case or wanted to talk about it in two months, I've been down here. It's just not a thing. Well then let me, let me tell you about the, the interesting somewhat rabbit hole I got on, um, what are we at? We're in the 
on Boxing Day. There's two sides right now. There's always two sides, but the two sides are very interesting because they're both getting applauded, like a ton of applause for this. One is the family COVID cop where, you know, we all got free. Uh, you go pick up your free uh, rapid test. So you could make sure you're testing everybody before they get together. So we're not spreading this thing and blah, 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 blah. So there's a ton of people who are saying, calling themselves the family COVID cop and people are applauding them for this. I, I just, you know, like I, my brain can't fathom it. I, in fairness, I just can't fathom that. And that's one side. And if you look at the comments they're getting, it's not like you're an idiot. It's like, good on you, keeping everybody safe, blah, 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 right? I smile because it's it makes me chuckle. On the other side, you got people posting pictures of them together with like, I don't know, 30s probably exaggeration, but you get the point saying, no restrictions here, best Christmas ever. And they're getting applauded. And I just go, and here we are again with these two like, Odd two sides man two sides that's how it's been from the start it's two sides and each person on their own side knows with 100 certainty that they're right there's no middle ground and two years later nothing has changed and we're still here so it's terrible it's absolutely terrible you think you think politics can bring us back do you think a leader can pull this back together yes 100 a leader can pull it back together the problem is what my definition of a leader is is different from your definition of a leader is different from someone else's definition of a leader right everybody responds to different leadership styles in different ways some people need need the leader that takes their hand and shows them and tells them what to do and some people need the leader that in the background is is helping them to understand and solve problems by themselves so that they, they are empowered that they're part of the solution so what we've had to date is the type of leader who's grabbing you by the hand, either nicely or forcefully, and telling you what to do all the way through. And people like me who, who don't respond to that type of leadership are struggling with that. But if you had some, some, if you had some clarity on statistics, on the data, and you, and, you, and you had a leader who took the time to walk people through the data and the numbers and allowed them to understand exactly what the situation is, uh, and allowed them to have dialogue based on fact and not what they saw on Twitter or Instagram and didn't force it. I think you would find a way out of this. I think you would find that you bring people from both sides towards the middle to have a, a discussion to say, oh, that's interesting. That data you presented, I haven't seen that before. That's interesting. But have you seen the flip side and have an actual discussion? The whole concept of this is what you're doing. It's just it's one way or the other. It's not going to, you're not going to get everybody under that umbrella. You need to have a different leadership style. And the leaders that we have right now, it's been two years of uh, what? Banging your head against the wall, dragging people against their will, being wrong sometimes, not being, not admitting when you're wrong, blaming it on something else. It's just, it's terrible leadership all around and from leadership courses and from leadership, you know, examples. It's just terrible. So yes, I absolutely think there's a path out of this with honest visible, transparent leadership, hundred percent. Are you seeing that anywhere? Um, I think you see a little bit of it in European union and uh, in some, in some of the leaders out there, not, not the top ones, but in some of um, you know, European parliament representatives, you've seen some of it in, in us Senate representatives. Um, obviously the, the, there's people that are, uh, you don't want to call them your generals, but your, your captains and your lieutenants that are trying to do that. They are trying to, to bring people together and have discussions. And, and, uh, but it starts at the top. Something like this is, is from the top. It's got to come from the top. So when you have, when you have the, the, the Trudeau on top, rightly or wrongly, who is intentionally creating division, right? Putting the us versus them narrative out there forcefully, um, 
using the word them to refer to unvaccinated, I mean, you've immediately split the country. Your leadership credibility is gone. You are not going to be able to bridge the gap anymore. You're just not. So he's got two sides right now under him in this country. He's not going to ever be the unvaccinated sides premier or sorry, prime minister. He's not. That's Those days are gone. Well, that's Biden in a nutshell, isn't it? Right. Yeah. This, this yeah. isn't just Canada. This is this nope, is same. this is bigger. This is bigger than where we just live. This is, I mean, Biden and his presidency has done a very similar thing, right? Created yeah. us first, them, and anytime you got that, you're right. It's our all of us common people. We're just like, can we just move on? You know, like I don't, I don't know how many times, Mike, in the last. Oh, it's probably been two months, but for sure the last like 10 days, I've just been told, I'm just tired of it. I'm just sick of it. Like, let's just carry on with life. But when government continues to, uh, you know, I'm a hockey guy. Take a look at the world juniors right now. 50% capacity, no food or drink. The women's uh, shut down. The max tournament that's been in Calgary since 19, uh, don't quote me on the 78, I believe. Toast. I'm just done, right? And you <laughs> You're like, we've been in this for two years now. Like we either figure some things out or we haven't figured out anything. Either way, we should be able to figure out a way to do these things properly. Or just admit we got some things wrong. Let the kids play because last time I checked, they're not the ones getting sick anyways. Maybe not sick. They're not the ones having the severe outcomes. Let the kids play, right? Like, but here we are. Yeah, here we are. It's um. And the thing is, is the, the common... The, the minion like myself doesn't get to decide when we're out of this. Doesn't get, I get to speak with a lot of people and figure out where everybody's at and try and pull people together. But the longer the top guys don't want to bring us together, bridge the gap. You're right. Uh, it won't happen. And the thing is what you're telling me then is a guy like Trudeau has to go before this gets better. Essentially. I mean, you know, the last election that was his, um, his big seeking approval for what he was trying to do. And he ended up, Nothing Winning. changed, yeah. right? But he has his minority. He doesn't have a majority of overwhelming people saying 100% you're doing what you're doing is great. And so out of that, he's now taken 20% of the country and put them into a, a them bucket with less rights than the other. He's, he's, he's broken the country. So 20% of the people are never going to, likely never going to trust him or support him or anything he wants to do again. I mean, that's, he, he busted that. They talk about burn bridges. That bridge is burnt, man. That's done. So it's going to, I think you need a leadership change. I really do. Uh, I don't, you know, next election is a long way out, but um, I just don't see any other way around it, to be honest. And, and, you know, your, your comments about how you have so many people telling you, I just want, we just need to be done with this. I'm just over this. I'm so sick of it. You heard Kenny talk about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, how he believes people have reached the upper threshold for their tolerance for mandates and lockdowns. And then guess what's happening right now? Another one, right? Like, Yes, people have reached the upper threshold limits for their tolerance for this. Of course they have. You know, we'll talk about this, this, uh, this small town Alberta case study that we did here that, that shows maybe it is over. Like maybe it's over in some places and, and we're just beating a dead horse here for no reason. Well, before, before we get to that, I, w- I would just say politicians have shown me, and I think a lot of people, they will say whatever they want to say. And they're not held to the same standard as me or you. Uh, I, I can't get over how one day they can say one thing and then do the complete opposite the next day, the next week, the next month. So it's like, you know, probably five years ago, 
they do that. And for the most part, people just carried on with life. Right. And I'm talking about where I'm at right now. Cause nobody really cared. All right. Yeah, sure. Whatever. But today when it dictates so much about what we can and cannot do, people are pissed. And the thing is, is like <laughs> the upper limit, the upper limit was probably six months ago. And, and here we are at Christmas again, you know, like even, even if Kenny came out and said, nobody in anyone's house, we're going to have cops out everywhere or whatever. I tell you what, nobody cared. Nobody's listening anymore. Everybody's just like, I'm going to Christmas, you know, like a year ago, we still had Christmas, but everybody was like concerned, you know, like, hmm. right. This year, I don't know of a single person who was like, I'm just not going to go have Christmas. That, that didn't account. And yet you understand there are people out there still in that bubble of like, not going out, going to be careful, going to wear my triple mask and I'm going to hand sanitize my entire body. And I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to do all these things to make sure this doesn't get to me. And here we are. Yeah. And I, I chat with those individuals all day. I do a lot of um, engagement on LinkedIn with, you know, a lot of statistics and, and my opinions on things. And obviously I get both sides um, respond to that. And I get a lot of the, the, you know, the other side of it, the, the very pro-vax, no matter what type conversations. And what's, what's come to light to me is, is what has happened in my mind is that humanity has decided that they no longer have a tolerance or a willingness for death. They no longer have a tolerance or acceptance of risk. For some reason in the last two years, everybody seems to have forgotten that life is fragile and it comes with risk and death is a part of it. And they block that out. So somebody wants to talk to me you know, on LinkedIn about risk management and how, and how taking vaccines is a risk management thing. You know, and I'll bring up, I said, yeah, but you still, you put your seatbelt on and you go drive in a car and you're accepting the risk of being in that vehicle. You will put on a life preserver and go out on a boat in the ocean because you understand that there's still an inherent risk of drowning off the boat. You took your vaccines, but now you're saying, even though you took your vaccines, you're still not going to go out and you're still not going to do anything. You're pissed off because there's a risk that you still might catch COVID. Like it, the, the, the lack of willingness to accept risk to me is what has really changed in the last two years. And that's the yeah, big driver. We we've uh, risk tolerance has come up a, a lot lately. Um, with different guests, because obviously, you know, like at this point, um, you know, we were talking the, the, the case is how, how they're flipping, right? Like more people with the vaccines are getting infected and, and what have you. And it's like, okay, so at this point, you know, like I just come back to the people who are unvaccinated, just have a higher tolerance for risk. Like they, they, they understand there's risk with getting COVID and they're willing to take that risk. The people who are vaccinated, lots of them have the same uh, same tolerance. They're like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good to go. But there are a ton that are a, a loud minority that want stricter lockdowns, want to <laughs> obliterate COVID, so to speak, um, with a holy vaccine, you know, that doesn't stop transmission, doesn't stop you from getting it, right? Like, it's it's a head scratcher for sure. It is. And I, I just want to, on the risk thing, before we jump into um, this sure. case study, there's a, there's a, I did a little digging on stats here the last few days. And so one of the things that I found, I looked into Alberta annual mortality, right? 
um, accounting for increasing population. So you just, you just, you break it down to just go by a percentage basis. So from the last, since 92, 1992, every year, Alberta loses between 0.58 and 0.61% of our population dies. Okay. In 2020, that went up to 0.67%. So an increase of 0.06% mortality when COVID kicked in. People die. People have always died. It's part of it. When we talk about this case study, that's just the unfortunate part of what's happening. And when you put it and you break it down like statistics, a 0.06% increase in mortality is what has caused this two-year cluster that, that were happening. And from that perspective, if you think about it like that, it's really difficult to, to wrap your head around why this has happened. So I just found those numbers interesting. Doesn't that, when you put it like that, doesn't it just make you think this is where the world's at? Like, honestly, we both got young kids. When I grew up, there was a winner and loser. There was first, second, third. Now, I'm not saying we go back to that. I'm just saying that's what my childhood was. Now, you get participation medals. And I know Don Cherry's done his long rants on it. Everybody's done their long rants on it. I'm just saying it's a shift in the way society thinks, right? We want to be, man, I was listening to uh, uh, one of the world leaders talks, and I couldn't believe how many times he said inclusive. Like, it must have been 15 times in his speech. We want to be so inclusive. We don't want anybody to feel excluded. But no matter how hard you try, somehow you're always going to exclude someone. It's, it's, it's like this impossibility, right? So they do participation mouth, blah, blah, blah. You talk about death. I just go, we want to save everybody. We, we do not want anyone to die. And that is an impossibility. Like there's no way to ever make that happen. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't try. I'm just saying you have to understand that even by trying, I mean, geez, all we got to do is look at suicide, drug overdoses. Oh, oh, yeah. is that, has that become a problem? Oh, yeah, it has. Well, it's, it's a cause and effect, right? Like by clamping down, we're not going to let anybody outside their house. We're going to put masks on everybody. Great. How many people did we save that way? Oh, maybe a few, maybe lots. I have no idea. But at the same time, we've also just created, <laughs> you know, when I look at it. I've witnessed two people, uh, one a very good friend, one actually both very good friends have mental breakdowns during this. Both healthy young men. Think about that. Mm -hmm. I don't know of a single healthy young man to die of COVID. Now, I'm not saying there hasn't been. I'm just saying I personally don't know any. Mm -hmm. I can go over those numbers for you too, because that's sure. how I base sure. my decision. My decision on me not getting vaccinated is by those numbers. But anyway, carry on with your thought, because I agree with you that we have shattered mental health in this country. We've shattered it. We ju Probably. we just we just don't understand. We just don't understand. Like we want everybody to be happy and have a good life and protect everyone and make them feel included in everything we do but it's impossible, but that's where society's at. This is where we're at. And so is it by any stretch of the imagination that we're just a product of where we're at? Like we're at a spot where the death rate went up and any death rate going up, no matter what the cause we want to protect against that. I, I, I'm everybody's like, 
is it a bad flu? Is it worse? Like I got friends who've been hit hard by this. I'm not saying it isn't there. It's just mm -hmm. here we sit. We want to mm -hmm. protect everyone. We don't want kids playing a sport because they might contract Omicron. Well, are they dying yeah. from it? Well, no. So what are we doing then? I got a really refreshing reply to one of my posts where a gentleman came through and he said, um, it, it was about, it was my 1992 and, you know, 0.58 to 0.61% of the population dies every year. He, he replied and he said, um, thank you for posting. He said, I'm one of the ones who have, have lost a very close loved one directly to COVID-19. However, I recognize that this is part of living. This is part of life. This happens and we just need to move on coming from somebody who lost somebody very, very close to them because of this. Right. Well, and I've had, I've had a, a lady reach out to me, um, and had her, uh, young kid in the hospital. Very serious. It wasn't, um, it was, what was the M geez, I'm going to forget now. It wasn't COVID, but it was something uh, that attacked a young kid, and he was in the the the, uh, the stallery, and it was because of COVID. Like I'm torturing this story right now. Pardon the term, um, but <laughs> but uh, here she wrote me this lovely email, and at the end of it, I just assumed she was going to say, "You need to change your thoughts on kids getting vaccinated because." You know, my kid's been hurt by COVID. Like we're in the hospital right now. We're seeing the, the, you know, the ugly side of this for the very few it happens to. And at the end, she just said, but we understand the risks and we still don't want people to be forced into something they don't want to do. And I went, oh man, that's a, that's a balanced email if I've ever seen it. Right. Like uh, that's, no you no want doubt. those heads to prevail. Right. Well, I think there's, I think there's more of those, those heads and those opinions than, than we realize. It's just like you said, the very vocal, overly vocal minority that's dominating the conversation right now. Um, it's just drowning everyone else out. And I think there's a lot of people that are in that boat that understand the nature of what we're doing. It's a personal risk that people take. And um, we just, we just need to, just need to move on. So I think, I just think it's important for people to understand numbers. Um, and make their own decisions. This is how this always should have been. So here's the numbers. I updated these for myself last night to, to, to kind of walk you through my thought process. So these are for Alberta. So there's 346,000 cases that have been confirmed. We know that number is going to be underreported just because of a lot of people not getting tested because of the stigma that goes with it, the lockdowns, all that stuff, right? So 346,000 cases, 3,299 deaths, so 3,300 deaths. So it works out to 0.95% mortality rate overall in Alberta from confirmed cases. Average age of death is 78. Life expectancy in Alberta for the last five, 10 years has been 81.5, okay? So we know, we know what's happened. We've already talked about that. So then I look at myself. So my age bracket, I'm 30 to 39. So we had 66,500 cases to date for my age bracket. So 34 deaths in that. So that's 0.051%, one in 2000, basically, chance that somebody my age is going to get COVID and die. Of that, 96% of the deaths have had one or more pre-existing condition, 96%. So as a healthy individual with no pre-existing conditions, I have a 4% chance that one of those deaths is going to be me. So I take my one in 2000 chance and I have a 4% chance of that. So my chances as a healthy 37 year old with no pre-existing health conditions is a one in 50,000. 
that I'm going to get COVID and die. So that's my risk that I've calculated for myself. So my next, my next bracket is my kids. So the under 10, 13,500 cases to date, one death. I would really like to know the circumstances on that one death. Um, same thing, non-existent. The next one's my parents. This is where it gets a little different. 70 to 79, okay? 10,242 cases, that seems really low, but uh, 762 deaths works out to a 7% chance. So 7% chance for the at-risk. To me, that's, that's elevated, right? That's a, that's a pretty good chance that you're gonna get into trouble with this. So the vaccines, as they were always supposed to be designed and marketed, reduce your chances of landing in the hospital or the morgue for the individual who takes them. So for me, if I'm talking to somebody who's in the 70 to 79 category, and they may have a little bit of medical history, I'm saying, probably take the vaccines. They're going to keep you out of the hospital. They're going to keep you out of the morgue. The, the numbers there make sense to me. On the flip side, you have adverse events, right? So there's 2,155 2, that's been reported to AHS out of 7.4 7 million doses. So it's basically a 1 in 3,300 risk of an adverse event. That's been reported. So that's been reported, right? I mean, I know people who had symptoms of myocarditis that went to the hospital and they, it was told it was a coincidence and they sent them home. So we, we, that's been reported. So for me, I have a one in 50,000 of getting from COVID and I have a one in 33 at the best of, of, of a, a adverse event. It's a statistical calculation. I'm not, I'm just not going to get it right now. Numbers aren't in favor of it. Um, so, you know, I like to, I like to do this as question and answer. So the question is, the argument is that COVID protects you, the individual keeps you out of the hospital for the certain category. It does for me, my, my direct family, kids, we wouldn't end up in the hospital. So no, my parents take it happy. Fine. Uh, the other one, stop being so selfish, do your part, protect somebody else, take the vaccine to protect somebody else. Right. That's the other big narrative that's been pushing. And that's why these mandates are such a, a hot topic right now is do your part to protect other people. So here's, here's some recent updates. So CBC on December 18th, put a, a, an Alberta update, 173 Omicron cases, 83% of those were from fully vaccinated people. Ontario, Christine Elliott, health minister, Twitter update, December 24th, 9,571 new cases, 78% of those fully vaccinated. So with an 80% vaccination rate and an 80% positivity rate on tests, you can't honestly tell me that this is really helping stop spread during the Omicron era. It's just not. Uh, COVID-19, this is the one that really got me last night. COVID-19 uh, Ontario statistics website, they graph it um, and they show it as a rate per 100,000. So it normalizes the fact you have way more vaccinated people than you have unvaccinated. It brings it down and it says rate per 100,000 people. The curves where it used to be unvaccinated test positive way more often than vaccinated. Since Omicron started, they've, it's actually inverted. So you have a higher prevalence of vaccinated people testing positive for Omicron right now than you do for unvaccinated people. So my response is that case distribution is aligning with the vaccination rates. I, there's no evidence to show that they actually do anything to stop spread. If you take the vaccine, you're protecting yourself. You're keeping yourself out of the hospital, period. Forcing somebody else to take it to protect you is just wrong. It doesn't work. So that's sort of my situation. Um, we can get into some of the stuff we're seeing with i and the testing. And, you know, we'll talk about some T-cell data later and stuff like that. Uh, and maybe I'll, I'll park my comments on that till we get there. But that, that's the numbers as of today, right? It just, it, this is nothing emotional. This is not a tin hat, micro Bill Gates is microchip and everything. This is none of that shit. It's strictly looking at the numbers and using a logical to say, for me personally, this doesn't make sense.
I don't know why everyone's so upset and angry about that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So let's get into Lacrete, but this one's before this you one's get into Lacrete. Before you get into Lacrete, my only thought is, geez, that seems way too rational. <laughs> it just does, right? But but in fairness, in fairness, Mike, would you not agree? And maybe I'm wrong on this. That saying the numbers is different than somebody going and looking at the numbers. So you saying them aloud and people hearing that, oh yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. Is it? Oh, you have to. You have to go look you, for yourself. Even you got to go do it. Even if you're uh, unvaccinated, you're vaccinated. You've you've heard the numbers a thousand times. I'm telling you, it's different if you go look at them yourself. And don't just look, look at Alberta. Look at uh, Canada. For me, I, my wife's from Minnesota, so I looked at Minnesota. I looked at South Dakota. I looked at Florida. I looked at Finland. I looked at Sweden. I looked all over the place because I wanted to see for myself. And once you see for yourself, that's more empowering than hearing Mike come on the Sean Newman podcast and talk about it. It is. It's kind of like, and people learn differently, right? We know that people learn in, in, in various forms, but it's to me, it's equivalent of sitting in a classroom and having a physics teacher dictate you know, the laws of physics to you, but until you actually go through the workbook and you write down the formulas and you make it stick in your own head, it's not, it's not really going to take, it's not really going to stick. You got to, you got to, you got to show your brain the stuff for itself. You got to go see the numbers for yourself. So I totally agree. This isn't hard to find type in Alberta COVID statistics, type in Canada stats, can COVID statistics, put the effort in and pull the numbers up. It's not that hard to do. Just do it. Now, Lacrete. Let's talk about Lacrete. Let, give the can you give the backstory on this, just so we're all up to speed. Yes, Lacrete. Uh, for those that don't know, Lacrete is a town in northern Alberta. It's part of uh, Mackenzie County, I believe it's called. And so Mackenzie County has what twenty five thousand people in it, uh, and it includes. I, I took some notes here, so I don't get any of this wrong in Gala, but it basically includes High Level, Rainbow Lake, Fort Vermilion, Lacrete, and Zama. It's kind of kind of the area. Um, and so Lacrete is a uh, you know. Northern community, it's got a population of around 3,500 people. Um, and it's a very tight-knit community. Uh, church every Sunday, everyone's a big, big family basically up there. Uh, and what happened, it just coincidental timing, CBC did a piece on them on December 13th. And the piece was inside the community with the lowest vaccination rates in Alberta. Right. And it was another one of these, I don't want to call it a hit piece because it really wasn't, but it was another one of these pieces that they like to put out to say, look at these people, how be irresponsible they're being. You know, they interviewed a couple people in the town that were fully vaccinated that were scared to, to go into town because they're worried about COVID, which is I'll you put know, fair. the I'll put the CBC link in the show notes so people okay, can see. Great, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, it's about a three-minute piece, right? So and it, and it was, I don't think it was meant to be divisive necessarily it's just the way what these pieces have to, been used what was yeah, it okay. meant to be I'll, I'll say it you could say it wasn't it was meant to so you go get your vaccine that's all it was yeah, yeah. it was meant to paint a community with the lowest vaccination rate as irresponsible yes. carry on i can that's say fair. It. that's fair okay so coincidentally right around the same time uh the lacrete town council reached out to us to icor to say hey uh we've we we kind of caught wind of the uh, the antibody testing that you've been doing in, in your other offices um are you able to help put together a little program to come to come up and test us so lacrete's i think seven hours north of um like it's a long drive is a big deal but they they self-organized they they got a roster together of 10 minute appointment times for us they they found us a couple you know uh lpns to to do blood draws for us a massive help amazing community so we sent a few people up there a couple cars all our equipment and it ended up being a three-day 
full day uh, program where we tested a boat. That was a 1219, I think something like that. Uh, 1219 tests that we completed. So I don't know which way I want to do this. Let's, let's do first the CBC piece. So in the CBC piece, it talks about, um, said there's been 55 deaths due to COVID in McKenzie County, right? Uh, so anybody who does the math, they're like, oh my God, the percentages, they're dropping like flies up there. So I talked to the town and I said, listen, here's your opportunity. I'm going on, I'm going on doing some podcasts. I might even talk to CBC, like, tell me what your actual data is on the deaths. So they broke it down for me. So Lacrete itself in 2017 had 24 deaths. 18 of those were over 70, 2018, 27 deaths, 2019, 30 deaths. 2020 and 2021 went up to 41 and 49 deaths. So there's been a death rate increase in the creek, but it's 11 and 18 respectively from 2019. And again, 26 and 30 over 70. So the majority is, is over 70. So I just want to read this note because this, this came back directly from the town. Speaking of only 2021, the deaths in 2021 included disabled children requiring feeding tubes, a kidney transplant from a few years prior, and another from a transplant numerous years earlier who had multiple organ failure, brain aneurysm, heart attack, diabetes complications, numerous cancer patients, and a vehicle accident. There's also a couple over 90 that died within days of each other. Of the total deaths attributed to Lacrete, please remember our seniors generally retire here and die here. This would be verified by the 13 cemeteries located throughout the community. There were possibly three or four deaths of COVID patients directly that did not have any or free or few uh, pre-existing conditions. Of the 49 deaths that we know of in the county, only uh, of, of the 49 we know of in the Crete, only a handful died with none or free uh, pre-existing conditions. The rest may have died with COVID, but not necessarily from COVID. It was the cancer heart attack vehicle. As we know, they, they'd like to play around with the definition of COVID death. So there you go. So three or four is what they have seen in the Crete for COVID deaths. So we go in and we do these, we do these 1,219 tests there. We know that they have a low vaccination rate. Uh, of the 1,219, 991 declare themselves unvaccinated on check-in and 203 declare themselves undisclosed, which for the most part is going to be unvaccinated. People just still are scared to say it. So of the 1,219 tests, 25 of them were vaccinated. So as a sample, and this is roughly a third of the town, just no vaccine. Of the 1,225 are vaccinated, just 25? Right. Just 25. Okay. okay. The numbers come back and they're 89% positive for antibodies among the unvaccinated crowd. 89%. And that does not include people whose antibodies may have cleared and they still might come up positive on a T cell test to show the longer memory, you know, cellular immune response to COVID. So as far as I'm concerned, um, with a sample size of a third of the town, you know, they've called elections with 5% of ballots counted, right? A third of a third of the town reporting in and you got 90% positivity for antibodies. They're done, man. Like they're, they're done with, with COVID. They've reached herd immunity. That was always the target right from the start is I think it was 75, then it was 85 and the milestones keep moving up. So they're at 90% positivity for antibodies on the unvaccinated. So the story that CBC posted, I've reached out to the reporter and I've said, listen, here's the data. I'd love to sit down with you and have a conversation about the other side. Uh, she expressed some interest, but I haven't, I haven't heard back to confirm anything yet. I said, you need to tell this side of the story. Like you can't, you can't just smear them as, as unvaccinated, irresponsible people. When in reality, I remember in our first podcast, I told you right off the top, I said, if Alberta is being billed as the worst performing province in the country and we're getting our teeth kicked in, 
there's a pretty good chance two years later that we're probably in some of the best shape in the country with respect to future state of virus. Here you go. 90% positivity on antibodies, natural immunity with, with unvaccinated people. Now I would guess that if other small towns in Alberta who did not um, follow lockdowns as closely and they were still going to church on Sunday and they were still mixing up in cafes, I bet you see the same situation and the same pattern unfolding. So I'm almost thinking at this point that COVID as a, as a pandemic is being restricted to the urban centers where lockdowns were followed. And the price that Lacrete paid for being in the situation they are now is, is four deaths essentially out of a town of 30, 3,500, 3,600 people. So is that worth it? I've talked to Lacrete town council. They say, absolutely. I hope you can help us get the word out that we haven't been piling bodies in the streets up here, right? Generally up there, they're gonna live a very healthy life of, of fresh food, right? Fresh homegrown food, lots of outdoor sunshine, fresh air, fantastic immune systems. There you go. So I look forward to, I've already gotten calls from, um, from a few other small towns, you know, Oyen, um, Macomb, a couple of places like that. I look forward to seeing if there's other communities that are interested in replicating this and working with us to do, to do some testing. Because if we rely on the government to take the chains off, uh, it's going to take a really long time at the current rate we're on. And I think Lacrete has the data to say, mm, we're done here. We're done with this. So interesting. That's fascinating. I think the last time, well, the first time you were on, I think episode 215, if memory serves me correct, it was uh, beginning of November, I want to I wanna say. Um, this was a hypothesis of like, it'd be really cool to do a mass uh, yeah, yeah. study, right? Because, yeah. I mean... We all have our thoughts, right? But you have a testing method, which is, you know, why the government won't, you know, why Alberta wouldn't, you know, the, the chunk of population that is currently unvaccinated. If you said, and I, I'm essentially rehashing the same thing we said in the first one, but if you said, listen, for 120 bucks, you go in, take a test, and you prove you have the antibodies, you're free to do whatever you want. Right. Like, I mean, you have what we're trying to give everyone with the vaccine. Arguably better. Arguably better. Arguably. But we won't go down that rabbit hole. Mm. And yet. Nothing's changed. Right. Mm. You wonder if Lacrete can be, you know, can be a, a shining light as to maybe something that could open the door because here it is again. But I'm going to be honest, I politicians keep they just they love dragging their feet for some odd reason. like. Here's another possibility of where open it up. Screw the screw testing everybody at Christmas time and giving them free tests. Give them a free antigen test. Let's go here. Let's let's figure well, out if we if we're free passes. antibody. Yeah, antibody. Yeah. Sorry, not antigen. Yeah. Let's let's get by this thing. Like like I said on our first our first meeting, it'd be nice to know what our actual baseline is to determine what our plan of attack is going forward. We've never had an understanding of what in the last since since we had our first two three waves now, you've had so many people exposed to it. What is our baseline exposure to future COVID outbreaks, right? What, what is it actually? If you combine recent vaccinations within six months with, with antibody testing for people that have, that have seen it themselves, what's our actual exposure? We don't know. It'd be real nice to know. Lacrete's is very low, extremely low. Um, 
and what you know the some more of the, the the data and science is coming out saying once you've had once you've had like genuine authenticated covid and you've recovered you're you're good you have non-specific antibodies that'll deal with whatever the hell variants come down the road you got nothing to worry about anymore so I mean, if i was the creed i'd be having a town high five right now man let's let's all go to church and celebrate to be honest you wonder if there will be more towns that hear this that uh take the onus on themselves to uh, facilitate this. Cause I mean, one phone call or Crete, I'm sure that wouldn't be hard. Uh, a couple of texts and you can have the number of the, the people who reached out to you and, uh, bada bing, bada boom. You could have the same type of thing. I come rolling in, do a massive test and figure out what you're working with. And I mean, that's going to give everybody confidence to move forward from this. Absolutely. Um, we, as you know, we are not a, a big enough lab core ish type company to handle testing for three and a half million people. So a lot of it is, is us working with the community, right? We need to lean on the community big time to help us find nurses, which there's a number of nurses now who are out of, out of work that would be available to help out uh, in small towns. So we need, you know, we'd help finding nurses. We need help finding spaces to operate, clean spaces to operate. Um, you know, the rest of it, we only need to send one or two of our reps there to really make sure that what's being done is, is going the way it needs to. Uh, we can absolutely um, step up and help. So I, I hope to get those phone calls. Um, you know, people are going to say, oh, my God, you're in the business of selling tests. Of course, that's what you say. You want to sell more tests. And, and my response would be sure. Uh, but given that we're the only ones in Canada offering this test and doing this, I could be charging probably three, four, five hundred bucks for one of these tests. And I'd still be selling them. And I'm not right? charging 120 bucks. I want to get this test into people's hands. I want to get these results out. I want to get this goddamn pandemic over with just like everybody else and move on to what other interesting stuff, some of our other tests we want to do that we can't launch because our calendars are full of rapid antigen tests. Anyway. Yeah. Well, the, the same people are either have already taken the vaccine or are spending a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there, 30 here, 40 over there on antigen tests or PCR tests or whatever to do anything they want to do because they literally can't. I mean, money makes mm. the world turn. Nothing's done. Uh, nothing's done for yep. free big fella. So to yeah. me, I think it's a small cost to pay to find out what you're working with. I know a lot of friends and family who've taken the trip to Edmonton for a day to go exactly to your lab, get a test done and see what they're working with. If they got something, cause it's a confidence booster, right? Like I think I had COVID. I did have COVID. I know a lot of those people, which you know, they didn't want to get a COVID test, even though they had COVID because they're like, I don't want to add to the number, which, so when you, when you talk about the early number, I, I chuckle about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I know a bunch of those people. Those are, yeah, those yeah. are small yeah. town people. They don't yeah. want, they don't want the, no, I have COVID and now they're going to be calling me, tracking me. I'm just going to sit at home. I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to move on. And some of those people for sure ended up in the hospital, right? Because yep. you know, COVID you got to look at it eyes wide open. I mean, you know, I'm in this weird world had Peter McCullough on, you know, um, several, um, what was it? Two, three episodes ago. Of course he was on Joe Rogan, everybody, you know, like, uh, it came out at 45 or 50 million million views views. blowing up, man. And it gets yanked off YouTube. Mine did not Joe Rogan's right. I don't have that, that, uh, that status. Yeah. yeah. That's right. (laughs) So mine with, with Peter McCullough gets pulled for medical and misinformation. I'm like, I mean, literally, yeah. Like what are we doing here? This is you. And this, and this is where, if I was, uh, you know, on the other side, the people that have, that have sort of trusted the government had their vaccines. I'd, I'd want to, I'd be wondering why these 
conversations, which have never been really censored before, but all of a sudden being censored. Like I'd want to hear the perspective from the other side. I'd want to actually have somebody take me through and, and show me the numbers that my decision was based on. Where are we now? I know things change a lot from April to December. What do the numbers look like now? Is it still, is it still valid? How, how are my efficacies doing? Right. You just, it's, it's pulled and it's just go get it. Shut up. So yeah, I, I, I feel you. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. T-cell testing. You yeah. uh, had, um, the last time we talked, that was brought up. And I yeah. had mentioned if you had charged $1,000, people would probably pay for it. You've been doing some research into it. I've seen emails come out about it. Where are we at with T-cell testing? Is that coming in 2022? What's the, what's the latest, greatest? So it is coming in 2022. Um, I'm, I'm really desperately hoping that our Canadian solutions um, that, that are in clinical trials right now can, can get through those quickly and, and go to the commercial phase. We have, you know, talking to Dr. Stephen Pellick, he's got a, he's got a, a test that's in clinical trials that he um, they're trying to figure out, they're just backlogged with results and they're trying to figure out how to commercialize it. Cause you know, we wouldn't be throwing them three or four a day. We'd be throwing them three, 400 a day. No problem. Right. Um, so, you know, that's coming on. There's another group that we're talking to, same thing, clinical trial phase. How do we get, how do we get to commercial? So in the meantime, what we found is one of, one of, uh, Europe's top infectious diseases labs, uh, out of Germany, we, we found that they had a, a T cell test. And so we wanted to validate it. And so we sent, um, we sent 10 samples cause they're, these are much more expensive than, than antibody tests are, but we sent 10 samples to them to validate it, um, choosing people from all over the, the, the spectrum. And so we got results back, um, half of them last week and half of them this week. And the results that came back, um, I'm not doubting the test itself, but I am hesitant to unleash the beast because I just feel the way this has gone, it's going to raise a lot more questions than answers for people. And I don't want to just create panic and pandemonium and confusion just to make a buck. That's not the goal here, but I'll go through these, these results. And um, again, this is, this is not to say one thing or the other. I just, I find it interesting. It's interesting data. And we'll see as we talk to more groups and we try and cross validate the same set of samples with different, you know, T cell tests from, from Dr. Pellick and others. Um, we'll see where it lands. So what do we got? We sent uh, one, two, three, four, five samples that were vaccinated and five samples that were not vaccinated. Um, the first, the first four samples, uh, the first, the first patient had natural COVID-19 and then followed that up with two doses. So the last dose was in September of this year, recent antibody score of 250 high titers, great short-term protection T cell scores, um, for your inferior gamma and interleukin two, which is your sort of your, um, your, your cytokines that indicate, you know, when you're, when you're, when your body encounters COVID, it kicks those kick in to produce antibodies, it, cellular immunity, basically is how it's referred to, uh, zero. So zero cellular immunity for that one. The next three cases, two doses, Pfizer, two doses, Pfizer, two doses, Pfizer, July, July, May, July. So what is that? Six months, five, six months ago. Um, same thing, antibody titers, that scored right in December, high, 250. Full, full titers, full protection. Cellular immunity, zero. One, zero, there's, just, there's no cellular immunity there. Um, the fifth person that controlled, no vaccine, no exposure, no nothing. Antibody scores zero, T cell scores zero. Zeros across the board, okay. So now you get into the non-vaccinated people. So you have, you have three people not vaccinated with September, early September positive PCR confirmations. Antibody scores 
uh, from early October, uh, 250, 250, and 95. So very strong, very strong medium range. Um, T cell scores, seven and eight, which is positive and strong. So they have cellular immunity showing right now. Um, on the flip side of that, you have somebody with no vaccines that had an April infection. So that's going back eight months with four antibody scores all the way along, the recent one being a 51. So there's still antibodies present, but they went zero, zero, zero across the board on T cell, no, no cellular immune response. And then this final, this final case here, three doses of Pfizer with the most recent being a booster in December, full antibody titers and very weak um, classified as negative T cell response. So this is an incredibly small sample size. Um, you know, we need to really get into a lot more to validate this, but if I was looking at this from a, from a, a data analysis perspective, what I'm seeing is that vaccinated people zero for five on cellular, cellular, uh, immune response T cells and vaccinated people or unvaccinated people, sorry, two for four on a very strong cellular immune response. So of the two non-vaccinated people that had no scores, the exercise is to say, okay, is there something else going on? Do you have a compromised immune system? Is there some medical history there that would be, you know, preventing you from, from having the same cellular immunity um, that the other ones had? So I think this could be an incredibly useful test for unvaccinated and vaccinated alike. But the concern I have after seeing this data is that, especially with the, with the case who had COVID and then followed it up with two vaccines to have no cellular immunity. My concern is that the vaccines are suppressing your cellular immune response to COVID-19, which means that once you start on the vaccine train, you may be on the vaccine train on boosters for the duration until COVID is no longer presenting as dangerous to you. So this whole two and done or two plus a booster, I really think that if, if these, if, if we can confirm this with some more vaccinated cases, you might be, you might be six month boosters for a long time. Um, the lab, when I asked them for comment, you know, they confirmed that they've, they've seen quite a bit of information coming out of Europe, a lot of more papers that show the vaccines are not conferring um, cellular immune response. It's just sort of that, sh that short-term surface, um, you know, antibody immediate um, protection. So basically keep your gas tank topped up and, and you're going to be fine with the vaccines, but it's the keeping your gas tank topped up part and what that might be doing to you that, that could be interesting. So that's the data. I mean, um, I would say it's nothing more than interesting at this point. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go one way or the other with it. I found it extremely interesting. Uh, I would love to, to get that going and, and potentially, you know, there's what we might do is, is, um, you know, is offer it up on a limited basis to people that understand that we're still kind of in this feeling it out phase and say, Hey, well, you can buy this test, but if your result comes back and it confuses you as in you had COVID, but you're showing no T cell response. I mean, that's, you know, we might want to have a chat with, with some specialists and see and understand with the experts, how this, how this looks and how it might break down. That would allow us to get more data, data points to validate this. Um, but certainly this is not a test right now, based on how the results come in that aligned with what I was expecting and saying, okay, here, 10,000 people, you go pay 300 bucks and you get this test. And it's going to tell you, you know, if you had COVID and you have cellular immune response, that's, I don't, I don't know if we're there with this right now. So, um, 
I'll keep you posted if we decide to open this up on a limited basis. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of people that don't care and they just want to get it done anyway. So how many, how many, how many doses of vaccines did Trudeau purchase for the next? Do you, do you remember that? All I know is he fumbled the ball off the top and then he ordered like 4,200 per person for the next 15 years. I can't remember the numbers. I don't know. Um, I haven't looked into the contracts or anything like that. And I know the contracts weren't, were sealed as well. So I actually don't know, but you, you start to hear things about how the AHS, like, you know, vaccine cards had spots for six or seven or eight or whatever it was. And you start to kind of look at this and you look at the efficacy dropping off to 15% with Omicron. You're like, yeah, you know, there's a report. Uh, it's, it's not peer reviewed yet. It's in preprint, uh, but it basically showed that vaccine effectiveness wanes after 10 weeks uh, with Omicron out in Europe. So now we're down to 10 weeks potentially. So shit, man, I don't know. It's, uh, it's like I said, off the top, it is rapidly evolving and we're just trying to stay on top of, of the data and the information where we can. Um, Canada it, orders. I'm just looking here. Canada, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find the article. Cause I know Canada has now ordered over 350 million vaccine doses from seven different short sources. It's saying 358. I was really hoping to find the CBC talk about this, which I can't. So to all the listeners, please, uh, I'm sure I'll get it sent to me, but there, uh, I'd heard this crazy number and I was like, why would you ever order that many? Right? Like, I think a lot of us were like, well, that, geez, that's a lot. I like mean, eight or nine per person based on that, what you just told me, right? Right. But it, you know, if you, if you, uh, here's speculation for you, here's a word that's been being used a awful lot right now. You know, it's interesting to watch language and how it changes as this thing goes along and everybody's starting to use the word speculation because they're getting, while well, you said, well, here's speculation. What you just said was your fear is as long as COVID's around, you're going to be on the booster train because you basically got to keep your tank, uh, filled to have protection. Right. Go back to Peter McCullough. When Peter McCullough was first on the podcast, he said three to five years of, of COVID. Now, I'm don't, not trying to scare everybody. I'm just trying to like piece together some speculation for you. And then you go and we have, you know, is it 300? Is it 350 million? It, we know this. He's ordered uh, booster shots or shots for into 2025, I believe. Right. Mm -hmm. And you go, mm -hmm. well, McCullough's a smart guy. You're a smart guy. And what our government is, if we don't think they're completely blind mice and they know a little more than we do, it adds up to your your fear might be somewhat true in that if you stick on the, the, the vaccine train, you might have to. Because at the end of the day, if you're, if you're anybody's are, or, or it's suppressing, I guess, I'm trying to take your words here and, and just try and expand on them a little bit. There might be something there. That's a scary thought, though. Yeah, the, con the concern is the vaccine spike proteins are outcompeting and, and, and bullying out sort of your innate immune system, right? You, that, that was talked about on a, a, recent, um, a recent podcast I was listening to. So, I mean, if that is, if that is a, a possibility um, where you've essentially compromised your immune system with the vaccine relative to COVID-19, then, then yeah, you can't, you can't pull off uh, you may not be able to pull off the, the vaccines until COVID has mutated to the point where it's just, it's not a big deal. Um, Omicron being as transmissible as it is, if Omicron turns out to continue to be what it is right now, which is, is really, you know, mild symptoms, not a big deal. This could be the, the home run for humanity. Like this, this could be the beginning of the end. It's, you've got this very transmissible virus. It's not going to kill you. 
you know, even if you have people that have been on the booster train and they pull themselves off and they're basically starting back at square one and they get it and they're fine. Super. Then, then we're all done and this thing moves on. But if that thing shows some teeth uh, and people that are currently on the booster train and just decide that they're done with this whole vaccine program and they, they pull themselves off the program and then they get the, they get the variant and they get sick and they got nothing, you know? Yeah. But then you come, then you come back to early treatment. Then you come back to what McCullough is talking about. Everyone at this point, whether you're on it or off of it should be looking at the early treatment protocols that have been going around because that can help make life just move on regardless of what's going on here. And I finally found the CTV news uh, article about it. And it said that uh, the federal government has reached a deal with Pfizer to secure 35 million uh, vaccine booster shots for next year and 30 million for the year after that. And then it said, uh, Justin Trudeau made the announcement at a press conference on Friday uh, stating that the agreement includes options for an additional 30 million doses in both 2022, 2023, and 60 million more in 2024. Yeah, there, so those are those are options, right? Those are right. those are him have, being able to pull his option card and and get those doses. So he's basically he's planning for one a year, one a person a year for the next two years, with the option of audibling to a six month booster for the next two years if required. That's, you know, I mean, you can't, if, if you, if you're on the, the vaccine is the solution plan. I mean, that's, that's probably contractually the right, the right move there. Uh, but, you know, I just can't, the people that people have got two that following the government program, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get my two. So I keep my freedom mobility. I'm going to do what you told me to, or I'm going to get this vaccine to keep my job. Cause if I don't, I'm not going to be able to put food on the table. And then all of a sudden they wake up and the statistics start showing them that the vaccines don't actually prevent spread. They're not protecting their neighbor. They're still going to catch it. Right. And they were never at risk of landing in the hospital anyway. Pissed, man. I mean, absolutely pissed. And I think a lot of people are, like you said, I think there's a lot of people get pissed off. So um, yeah, I, I, really, really interesting to, to follow, you know, emotionless, follow the data and see how things have been um, changing rapidly right now. Well, let's slide into the crude master final five. Do appreciate you coming back on. Uh, I know you got a real yeah. tough life down there in Mexico, oh. um, <laughs> but uh, shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald, the uh, supporters of the podcast since the very beginning. I'm curious, you know, uh, is there a community in uh, Western Canada that you've uh, read about or are staring at that you'd like to go into and do a bunch of testing? You know, like, would you want to go into a, a city like Edmonton that's been under lockdown and do testing there? Or is there something else? Is there another place you'd love to uh, um, try this theory out like LaCrete? Well, well, first of all, we've been doing testing in, in Calgary, Edmonton, Red Deer. You know, we've done 10,000 tests to date and we're showing a, a 55, 60% antibody positive on the unvaccinated. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good sample size. You could argue that you have half of your people that are out there unvaccinated have, have seen it and they're done with it, right? So we've done that. Um, the next one, you know, for sure, in any small town um, who wants to do the program, yes. I'm actually in conversations with some people right now to potentially open up a Grand Prairie office. I think Grand Prairie would be an interesting one. Um, there's, there's boots on the ground there that can help us. Um, same thing, sort of a Northern community, it's larger. Uh, it's got it's got more of the the urban sort of policy to it, so you'll have more of the lockdowns and the restrictions there. So I would not expect to find the same uh, breakdown there as you would in La Crete. But um, GP is is one I'd like to uh, see if I can't make that one work. Um, and then yeah, any any town councilman or town council lady from any of these small towns that's even not even commit to a program, just have a conversation. 
um, feel free, reach out to Sean. Sean, I'll give my contact information. We can have a chat uh, and see if there's anything we can do to, to help you out. Angry Uncle Helen. Don't quite understand that one. So I apologize to Angry Uncle Helen. Uh, he wants to know, or she wants to know, hmm, it's an interesting, do you have a spare room in Mexico for the rest of the <laughs> Man, it's great down here, but cost of living is insane and inventory is zero. I think word got out what we were doing and there's a whole bunch of, as soon as we landed, we got people from Medicine Hat, Calgary, Toronto, Edmonton, Red Deer, like just families down here, left, right and center. So uh uh, there's another business I got to figure out starting up is, is uh, a Canadian refugee real estate company in, in Sayulita. Uh, sort that one out. Do you need a real estate agent? <laughs> Do you have one in Sayulita that knows the, uh, the Mexican local uh, lending rules and, and, and legal paperwork? No, but I'm pretty motivated, uh, Mike. Yeah, I, I can yeah. figure some things out. Be a personal assistant for the, <laughs> the CEO of Icor. Come on down. Um, you mentioned vitamin D. Uh, I saw oh, your, yeah. your, your, your early um, emails on this. You offer vitamin D testing. What's, what's been the early data on that? Early data is, uh, is, is actually good. It's encouraging. Um, there's, you know, the, the reference range for, um, from, from Mayo Clinic for your concentrations is anywhere between 20 and 50. I think it's micrograms per mil. Um, so there's kind of that, that bandwidth in there that they like to see uh, people in. Now they're, they're south, um, so we're a little bit further north. So you'd arguably like to see people a little bit higher. But the vast majority of people uh, that we tested so far have, are pretty good. Um, they're, they're in that 20 to 50. There's a lot of people that are between 50 and 80, which is elevated but not dangerous. But the value in the test is when you pick up the the person who's very deficient, who's you know kind of under ten, or the person who's out of out of fear and and potentially watching too many um, podcasts without understanding the background, is just popping vitamin D pills like a like a mother, and they're testing at one fifty six in danger of, of toxicity, right? Um, so it's it's a very valuable test for for that. Check your levels, get it done, um, just like all this other stuff we're doing too. Like next next month into February, we're going to start doing follicle stimulating hormone, you know, pregnant, uh, fertility testing for women, t- total testosterone levels for men, um, Lyme disease. We're going to do Lyme disease check. We're going to do, you know, a bunch of stuff. This is the stuff I want to get into that I want to offer to people, but we got to get past COVID to do it. <laughs> Why? Uh, I see those. I, I, I see the, the list you sent me, uh, the female fertility, the total testosterone, prostate health index and Lyme disease. Why those four? Like they, Lyme I, dis- I, I, I get the, I honestly, yeah. I get, I get the cancer one. Um, after that, I'm like, hmm, why, why those four? The, the testosterone one has always just been uh, of interest to mind. You know, hormones are so important to, to the basic chemistry. For me as an individual, I was kind of always wondering like what my testosterone levels were. Do they increase when I'm on an exercise cycle? Do they go down? Where am I relative to the optimum range? I've been feeling really crappy and depressed the last couple of weeks. Maybe, I, you know, that, that was sort of a personal one that I, that I looked up and it was, it was reasonably priced and a good one. Um, female fertility came from a lot of client feedback for, for people asking about, hey, you know, I know there's fertility clinics in town, but it's kind of a, a pain in the butt to, to get that all organized. Um, I would just like to check my FSH levels and do you guys offer that blood test? So sure, we can do that. Uh, Lyme disease, we're in hiking country, right? We plan to put that out probably in, in May, June, but a lot of people go to the mountains. Um, Lyme disease is, it's controversial um, just because of diagnosis on it, but you know, this disease tests for antibodies to Lyme disease. So if somebody has been dealing with a lot of chronic health issues that are inexplainable, maybe they, maybe they run a, a Lyme disease test and that comes back positive to explain 
some of the things they got going on. So it's not just those four. Those are just sort of the four that we picked out. But I mean, what I'm trying to do with the company is take the model that we've proven successful, which is give people access to useful tests at their fingertips and broaden that past COVID, you know, get, get it. If, if your listeners or anyone has feedback on, you know, I think this would be a really interesting test. I've always wanted to do this. I'm sure we can get it done. Um, we're, we're very tight with Mayo Clinic and we have access to pretty much their full roster. So you know, if there's, if there's some tests that people want to get done, we can probably bring them in and get them done. That's the whole point of what we're trying to do. That's cool. It's uh, well, as I, I don't know how I got stumbled onto you. I don't know how this, uh, you know, relationship, I, I, I say this to, to quick Dick McDick all the time. The, the guy from Saskatchewan, I, I say it to him, like, it's a very weird to become friends with somebody having never met them. Uh, meeting them through the virtual world, <laughs> yeah, right? That's like, the new very, world, man. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. But uh, uh, as I sit here and watch what you're doing and read the emails and follow along, uh, what you're doing is, is, is uh, well, in my eyes, very unique. I'm sure it isn't as unique as I give it credit to. But at the same token, I feel like you're offering up solutions for how to uh, move us out of the current situation. Anyone doing that uh, has the tip of the cap for me because uh, we desperately need to get out of this uh um, cycle we're in to where, yeah. you know, the masks come off, people start to feel more confident. We can go back to smiling at one another and not trying to stick, uh, you know, knives in everyone's back, mm -hmm. so to speak. Like mm -hmm. it, it'd be really nice to get back to where I'm not hearing about Canadians, although Mexico is a nice place. I just want to go there for a holiday and come see Mike and, and, uh, eat him out of house and home and then go back to minus 34. I just need a break for a week, you know, yeah, but yeah. right we've, now, we've it's the opposite. There's tons of people that are just getting out. They just, they're, they're looking at it. And I know we talked about this last time, but, uh, you just hear an awful lot about it. And I, I, uh, look around at my community and, and the place I live and I, I, you know, do I not like the minus 34? Sure. But other than that, this is a pretty cool little place to live yeah. and, and surrounded by great people. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, my wife and I've ch uh, chatted apparently being down here in the summer is, is not advised just hot, humid and just awful. So I'd love to be able to come back to you know, Canada on May 1st and, and have this all done with and get my life back where it was and do all the things I wanted to do. But as, as it stands right now, um, there's nothing for me to come back for. There's nothing for our family to come back for, right? Kids would be back to not doing activities. You know, we wouldn't be allowed to do anything. So I, I look forward to, um, to doing my part to try and get us past this to try and reclaim our country and, and move forward. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Mike. Uh, all the best. Enjoy the heat. I'm sure you guys will have a, a fun little New Year's. Uh, uh, I, Mexico and New Year's, That's that'll be a fun little treat. Um, I'll be thinking of you as we all stay indoors, socially distanced, <laughs> masks on, yeah. not making sure we check each other's cards, uh, taking a rapid antigen test before we go to anywhere. Um, mm. Am I missing anything? I'll be thinking of you regardless. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Sean. It's been, been a pleasure as always, bud. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for tuning in today. Welcome to 2022, eh? With a bang. Uh, enjoyed having Mike back in the studio, uh, even if he was sitting in Mexico. Um, uh, he's got interesting, interesting data, I mean, in what he's doing. And just to, to hear it firsthand has been really, really cool. And I would assume if you're sitting here listening to this point, you've enjoyed it as well. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, believe me, it does help. I want you fine folks to check out the SeanNewmanPodcast.com. I want you to let me know what you think. Do you enjoy it? Not enjoy it? Uh, some things that uh, I can improve on, 
Always looking forward to hearing from you guys. Make sure if you want to get a hold of me, you use the text line. Just look in the show notes. The phone number is there. And finally, if you want to support the podcast, also in the show notes is a, a link to my Patreon account. Uh, I appreciate all the support uh, you guys continue to give me. Now I'll go out there, kick some ass, and be awesome, all right? And we'll catch up to you guys Wednesday.